In this episode of Emergence, we talk to Dr. Monique Elwa, Director General of the World Organization for Animal Health, and Dr. Bernadette abela Ridder, Team Leader for Neglected Zoonotic Diseases at the World Health Organization. Hello, and welcome to the Emergence Podcast, brought to you by MSD Animal Health and hosted by me, Alistair King, Director of International Veterinary Health. All views expressed are those of myself and my guests. In this episode for World Rabies Day, I'm pleased to talk to Dr. Monique Elwa, Director General of the World Organization for Animal Health, otherwise known as the OIE, and Dr. Bernadette abila Ridder, Team Leader for Neglected Zoonotic Diseases at the World Health Organization. Both of these people have been strong advocates for the elimination of rabies, driving many of our steps forward. It was a great privilege to be able to hear their views on how we continue to progress together. First, let us hear from Dr. Monique Elwell. Dr. Elwell, thank you so much for joining. We're coming up to World Rabies Day and it's a really good opportunity to look at what's happening in the world, how we're trying to control rabies. First, I'd just like you to introduce yourself. Thank you for the invitation. Uh, so I'm Monique Elois, I'm a veterinarian and uh, currently uh, uh, Director General of the World Organization for Animal Health. And um, our uh, rabies control program is for me something very interesting because in a previous life, uh, when I was a, a civil servant in the French Minister of Agriculture, I was in charge of the vaccination program in Fox so that uh, France could become free of rabies. That was a long time ago. But uh, since this time, I'm always very interested in, in uh, supporting any rabies control program. Western, Western world and wild animals still stay an issue. And then we've got the rest of the world where dog transmitted rabies is the big, big issue. And that's the first bit we're trying to eliminate, stop the human deaths from dog transmitted rabies. Looking at the world and everything that's going on, what do you think are the biggest barriers currently facing us in rabies control? Probably the biggest barrier is to convince authorities that we have to move from a local initiative to a larger scale uh, program. We know that rabies can be eradicated, but we have to be engaged in the long term and sustainable program and not jump from one priority to another priority. So therefore, we are ready to to invest. Uh, that is not always easy, but I'm quite sure that more and more authorities have rabies on the top of their priority. And if I may highlight uh, that, this morning I attended uh, the meeting of the Hawaii Regional Commission for Asia and uh, Far East and Oceania, and rabies is on the top of the five first priorities for the disease control in the region. That is really very encouraging. That You're right. That is, I think, priority has been a big issue. So hearing it being focused on is important, especially after the last 18 months or so, where with COVID, it has led to a little drop off. So it's nice to hear it's coming back up. 
Yes, yes, and this is why there is so many priorities, and I, of course, understand uh, authorities. We have to manage <laughs> every day so, so uh, different and various priorities, and uh, that is not easy to select when you have budgetary constraints or human resources constraints uh, for managing all those activities. But uh, I'm very pleased when Rabiz is still on the agenda of the national priorities. I, I was going to ask you if you believe we can eliminate dog-transmitted rabies, but you've already said we can. What gives you that confidence? I am confident because we have evidence that is possible. And that is not just because we are happy to have a strategy. We have evidence. Uh, we can show several countries where after two or three years we, uh, of vaccination uh, in dogs, we have significant positive results with less cases in humans. Therefore, we have a direct impact of the vaccinations campaign in dogs on uh, the human health. In addition, we have very excellent vaccines. So therefore, uh, as soon as we have well-designed, well-structured, well-organized vaccination campaign in dogs, we can have results. And then with some uh, long-standing commitment, we can eliminate and eradicate rabies. Therefore, it is not just a wish that can be a reality because we have clear data, clear evidence that it is possible. That's really positive to hear. And you're right, there is this evidence that we've seen. We can go to places. And the speed that we can make a difference is critical, I think, to shifting things. Once you start and you see those steps forward, it helps keep things moving. And the more countries that are successful, the more other countries are going to join in. So we'll get this big picture. If I may add something, we have the tools, we have strategies, uh, we have uh, guidelines. And now I do think also that we can highlight that we have a partnership. And uh, that is something very important because controlling uh, alone such a disease uh, is difficult. That is why being together with people uh, responsible for human health, with people responsible for animal disease control, with uh, manufacturers of, of vaccines, NGOs who are also uh, well introduced by the local communities, that is very important to succeed. And that is something uh, that we have done now, thanks to the United Again Rabies Forum. And I am very pleased that the OIE has been designated as uh, the coordinator of this uh, forum because we are really well committed, uh, very optimistic that thanks to this uh, partnership platform, we'll move forward quicker uh, and uh, with uh, more uh, freedom. You mentioned United Against Rabies. That's been a really big thing over the last year. There's been this political engagement that we haven't seen necessarily at that high level. It was fantastic that we had rabies on the agenda of the health summit a couple of months ago that just brings it brings it up as a highlight. What commitment have the OIE made to eliminating this disease, to eliminating rabies? Probably our main commitment is the one done with our tripartite partners namely uh, WHO and FAO. So now, uh, since uh, more than 15 years, uh, we are committed together to improve uh, the situation with regard to some disease, uh, and rabies 
was since the beginning on our uh, common agenda. And progressively, uh, we have improved our collaboration either at global level by designing a, a joint strategy or by uh, building this uh, unigen, uh, United Again Rabbis Forum, uh, but also at regional and local level. I would like just to give you an example on what we have done and what we are still doing with the Wallet Show when you organize national bridging workshop. Uh, that is workshop during which um, the human health sector and the animal health sector work together in order to be more comfortable when working together, each uh, respective responsibility. But so that the, the program, either in human health or in animal uh, sector, be well coordinated uh, because, uh, as I said a few minutes ago, that can be Sometimes there are competition between priorities or competition uh, for the allocation of the budget. And when the two sectors work together, they can be well aligned and therefore human resources or funding can be better allocated uh, for a more efficient uh, uh, result. So therefore, that is very encouraging. When we look at rabies, we learn things about how to do vaccination programs how to get community engagement. Do you think these messages also roll out to other diseases, that bigger One Health approach? Sure, sure. That is really an excellent example uh, to highlight how the One Health approach can be efficient. Uh, and now, more and more at a high-level political, uh, political level, that is well-recognized. Uh, a few days ago, uh, that was a G20 uh, ministerial meeting of the Minister of Health uh, of the G20 um, and uh, Minister of Health have well recognized and uh, strongly uh, highlighted that the One Health approach must be encouraged, must be encouraged and implemented at each level, not only at global level, but also on our daily life at local level. Therefore, in addition to strategy, in addition to uh, uh, tools and uh, data that we can have. Uh, now we have also the political uh, commitment, the political support. And uh, I do think that we have all what we need to to succeed. And now we have ready to act and to continue to enlarge the vaccination campaigns in order to have, as I said at the beginning, a large scale uh, dog vaccination and not only uh, local initiatives. I think some of this relies on the engagement with the local community and their access to not just the medicines, but the knowledge about medicines. How do you see that infrastructure in places like Africa where we're struggling with disease? And how are the OIE working to improve that? Through several approaches. First, information and communication. Because we know also that rabies can be uh, preventable by very simple measure. If we inform people, if we educate people, uh, and particularly children, they have, they have to be very careful playing with a, a stray dog, for example, uh, or just well uh, washing the hands. That is sometimes very, uh, very efficient uh, communication. Uh, to avoid cases in human. So therefore, that is something that we have also to promote. promote. And the World Rabbit Days is a perfect opportunity also to continue to improve the communication to uh, the population. And then we have also 
capacity building uh, programs for veterinary services in order also to help them to better design their vaccination campaign. And finally, we have also an OIE vaccine bank, thanks to the support of uh, several resource partners. And thanks to this vaccine bank, we can allocate either free of charge or uh, with a very low price uh, vaccine uh, to uh, countries who, which are engaged in a large-scale uh, vaccination campaign. You mentioned children. I quite often talk about how we approach education and how important children are. And we've done things involved with introducing rabies training into school. We've done comic books and things like that, which bring those messages forward. The easiest group to get a change in approach is children because it builds for the future. Right. And uh, we know also that children are the first victims uh, of rabies. Therefore, uh, that is really a pity that today uh, children die because of, of rabies. Yes. And it's about that interaction with dogs, not just the rabies side. We prefer people not to get bitten at all. Yes, yes, it's right. Because in fact, through all what we do uh, in order to to improve the control of rabies, that is something also which is helpful for any sanitary actions. When we better educate population, when we better inform communities, when we support the strengthening of, of veterinary services, indirectly, you support also the control of other diseases. Therefore, that is not just for one disease, that is also support to a health system and that is very valuable for uh, any sanitary actions. You mentioned partnership. I think I'd like to thank you personally, actually, because over the last years since you've been Director General of the OIE, I think you've really driven an awful lot of how we work as partners. And we've got overall a much better approach working together than we did a decade ago. What do you see as the responsibility of the pharmaceutical industry other than just here's a bottle of good quality vaccine? Yeah. Uh, uh, producing good quality vaccine is already a, a very huge and very important thing. So, But it's true that uh, in addition to that, the technical and scientific expertise that uh, colleagues from the pharmaceutical industry could also provide is very important. Uh, they are uh, very strongly involved also in our uh, platform, in our uh, United Against Rabies Forum, uh, because their recommendations, advice, opinions are very valuable so that we could permanently uh, improve our strategy and more than improving the strategy, how we can improve its implementation uh, because uh, the reality on, on the field is something very important to be sure that our actions uh, be efficient on the long term. So therefore, any uh, uh, support, for example, for the post-vaccination survey and so on are very, very valuable. And that is why also uh, the pharmaceutical industry uh, is on the table with us and not only for the production of vaccines. Thank you, Monique. We've talked about the political barriers to rabies control. Do you think there are any other barriers or are we now really moving past those? In fact, uh, for anything, we have barriers. 
But when we are convinced that we can succeed, when we are convinced that together we are strong enough, then we have the power to convince people we can support. I know that uh, there is a lot of uh, competing priorities for the national authorities, but uh, for Abyss, we can have an immediate impact if we invest in uh, uh, vaccination in dogs. And I'm convinced that progressively more and more countries will be engaged uh, and that, uh, I hope so, uh, we'll have every year less and less uh, human deaths. Finally, what message would you like to give everyone on World Rabies Day? I would say to all the people that really the elimination, the eradication of dog-mediated rabies is achievable. Everybody can do something. The most important is really to act and to invest in rabies control because we know that is 100% preventable and that we can save really so many human lives. That's a really good message to end on. Thank you very much, Monique. It was my pleasure. From Dr. Elwa and that positive message that we can do this together, we go to Dr. Bernadette Abila-Rida and hear more about the approach from the WHO. Bernadette, thank you so much for joining. We're talking about rabies on World Rabies Day. Very important every year that we've been doing this. Do you want to just introduce yourself, explain your role at the WHO? Thanks a lot for inviting me, Alistair. Um, so my name is Bernadetta Bellarida. I work at the World Health Organization in the Department for Neglected Tropical Diseases. And recently, I'm also contributing part-time to a new initiative in WHO, which is a WHO One Health initiative. I'm a veterinarian by profession, and this is really One Health in Action, a veterinarian embedded within a public health organization. Happy to be with you. Thanks, Benda. It's great, really great to have you here. I've been involved with the rabies, global rabies scene now for, oh, I can't think how long it is now, uh, coming up to 10 years probably. I think you've always been a major figure in everything that I've seen being done. I've admired everything, the way you've driven this. Your personal passion, your dr how driven you are about the need to eliminate rabies and how vocal you are in your work shows just how personal it is for you. Can you just explain to the listeners, why is it so personal for you? Why why do you feel this, this drive, this need to get rid of this disease? In my role in WHO, I feel very much um, at the nexus of working on health of human, health of animals and development. Um, so rabies is a disease that we can overcome. We do not have to have any deaths anymore from rabies. We have all the tools that are needed. Uh, we know how to eliminate disease. We, we just need to scale up our efforts. And, and to put it in a personal note, I would just say that when I think of all those children who are bitten by a rabbit dog and the parents who, you know, already just being bitten is terrible, but having rabies, oh, and not having the, the access to powerful medicines, to powerful vaccines, not being able to travel to the to a to a healthcare center, 
you know, it's just un. I, yes, it's just unbelievable for me, and I I would like to leave an imprint, so that when I retire and it's over, I have done my piece in contributing to less suffering and and um, in this world. And and one of the ways could be through rabies and other zoonotic diseases, which is my speciality. Yes, yeah, so you that recognizing that real people side of it, as you say, the people who just can't get access to treatment, can't get something. So we've got people dying of a disease that we do, don't need to have people dying from anymore. It's, it's unnecessary. It makes it even stronger as a need to do something. You said we've got the tools, we've got the knowledge, and we do. So why does rabies remain a ne neglected disease? Why aren't we doing something about it? We are doing something about it, but in a very patchy and fragmented way. And, and hopefully that that is something that's been changing over the last years. Um, I, I think one of the biggest problems is that uh, it's not prioritized in many countries. It had been prioritized in, for example, Europe, where and and North America, Europe put a lot of effort into getting rid of rabies and building buffer zones to keep rabies out of first of the dog population and then even out of um, the fox population. So if there is a political will and there is a prioritization, we can make a lot of progress. There's a lot of uh, competition in a sense in in the health world. Um, you know, what are governments going to put their investments on, you know, there are so many other competing priorities and i think one of the one of the difficult parts in rabies is that it's the dog that transmits rabies nobody feels ownership of the dog not the ministry of agriculture and often if ministry of health doesn't take um on the responsibility uh for for example dog vaccination programs the dog vaccination programs are only led in a very sort of project small scale um way on on the so and also the the vaccines for humans the and the immunoglobulins for humans are rather expensive so most also from the government side from the budgeting side and in, in the health systems often no resources are allocated for for these um medicines but are only the leftover budget is is then used to procure vaccine or, or immunoglobulin. So because they're so expensive as well, and they're perishable. It's one of the big ironies of one health diseases in general, I think. And rabies is a fantastic example of a one health disease. It really is. But one health diseases fall through the cracks because, because they're so broad that nobody claims complete responsibility for them. I mean, if, you know, if there is a demand from the population that something needs to be done, I think if there is a leadership from at least one ministry and some type of supra-ministerial resourcing so that there's no competition between ministries to allocate the resources, let's say agriculture needing to vaccinate dogs, why would they want it when they're the benefit is really in the public health side. So are there, we need to find uh, innovative ways to see how to better lead and, 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 and build roles and responsibilities and accountability for each domain, but that it is 
managed together. And, and that is our, you know, that is our, um, uh, the problem we need to find a solution to. I, I don't think it's impossible, but you're right. Can you identify what you think are the biggest barriers facing us at the moment in rabies control? The biggest barriers is really taking this from a pilot and project based type of activities into a, a true program uh, in countries um, who have prioritized the disease. So, you know, we have a, pro a program should be a three-pronged program where you build awareness, you build education in the communities, uh, a know-how, how to do first aid, and you have the dog vaccination um, component and, and sort of dog responsibility, animal, you know, being responsible for your animals. And then you have the human care, you know, vaccination and immunoglobulins when, when needed. I, I think the, the biggest problem is, is that, um, we are not reaching the dog vaccination coverage that we should be reaching. And partly, I guess, it's the demand from communities. We need to do a better job that, that communities want to do it. Um, the other thing is the cost as well of, you know, this is a neglected disease. Um, if, if the government doesn't take on this as a global good sort of type of a, a disease um, where there is support from governments to, to implement programs, then there is little motivation from populations perhaps because there's competition. Do I buy the school books or go to the doctor or pay for something for the kids or do I vaccinate my dog? I think, I think our biggest challenge is really to scale up dog vaccination campaign. Um, we will be having, hopefully, as the COVID pandemic um, calms down a little bit, hopefully Gavi will revisit uh, um, their investment strategy where they have included rabies but have um, for now put it on hold. And and I see that with such an investment on the human um, side of provision of vaccines, this will propel um, a certain awareness in communities about rabies and perhaps even catalyze a demand to say we could be preventing rabies. We want to increase the coverage, the vaccination coverage of our dogs. We want our dogs to be safe. Uh, so I think that is the biggest problem, the scaling up. We know how to do things. We know how to adjust, we being the community, uh, how to adjust to the different contexts. We're just not doing it yet. And, and that is because we, unless we have a leadership also in, um, local governments and and some type of a formalization of a program, um, then it just remains patchwork. Yes, I, I think definitely. And you touched on a number of areas. I like that. Yes, the vaccination is important. We need to get that vaccinate that number of dogs vaccinated up. We need to get over that seventy percent, eighty percent community vaccination, but where you're putting a good amount of the emphasis is on the education and the awareness, the community involvement. And to me, when I look at activities in the past compared to how we try to move forward, some of it, some of the problem has been is been people coming in with the scientific knowledge saying you must do this and expecting people to react at a local level without engaging the community fully. 
And I think I'm seeing quite a bit of change in that going on now. So previously, even when there have been vaccination campaigns, free vaccination, it's been difficult sometimes to get people to bring their animals to be vaccinated. But if we work on how to, to involve communities, so they understand about rabies, understand that you can control it, understand the importance, then we start to get that really big uptake in actual vaccines that are available. And that starts to push us in the right direction. Does that make sense to you? I totally agree. Um, without having the communities engaged, and, and I think part of the success, in a sense, of the Neglected Tropical Disease Program is that very intense uh, work with the communities, uh, a lot of social mobilization, a lot of on-the-ground interaction, um, and also bringing in the priorities of the communities, what is important to them and how can we help them with certain tools to to overcome those um, problems and, and, and um, serve their prioritization as well. So I think the community is is a very key part. We can help in giving tools, but in the end, we need the people on the ground to be building that awareness and, and sort of like a domino effect, you know, having individuals leading leading that information, channeling that information, exchanging with the communities, what can you do, how can we do it, building that demand. And the other part is using the, the local workforce, um, be it volunteers, or both from the med human side or from the animal health side or environmental side, to sort of already start networking at a community level to show how important it is um, to work in a, in a one health way, that they already are exchanging, discussing among themselves, also coming up with solutions that work in their communities to see how, how to shift the paradigm um, on rabies. But then, of course, you can't leave it to them. We can't just create demands and then not deliver. So we have to also be behind there to support these communities to then implement the solutions they are looking for. Yeah, we've talked I've talked to people before on this podcast about para, the paraprofessionals in Africa and how they have the trust of the communities so we have to engage them and bring them along. And I think practical tools are very important. We possibly have in the past, focused very much on the the high level tools that help us analyze what's going on and things, which is important, and we do need that information. But the practical tools for people to use in the field to understand how to actually do things, also we need to focus on. And I guess in this current day and age, where we're you know all adapting our life to this COVID pandemic, um, WHO has taken on the the lead on putting into place a training module around rabies. It will be um, launched around World Rabies Day and it will be, you will be able to access it on openwho.org. We also have an NTD channel and it will be, um, you can find it there as well. It's just a matter of putting in rabies and you, it, it will pop up with the, the rabies module and it covers everything about rabies um, for the general public, but also for clinicians or for veterinarians as they, as they, um, encounter cases of rabies. So very, 
very um, hands-on, however it's virtual. And yes, and then I think following up uh, with more deep dives, with uh, exchange of expertise from one country to another. Some countries have really done a lot of progress in learning how to implement rabies programs. Uh, let's take Bangladesh, let's take uh, Sri Lanka, Latin America. Um, great experience how to overcome rabies in communities, uh, how to build programs, the micro planning, um, the training of the workforce, and and use that know-how to also um, bring it to other countries who are, are embarking on their programs. So I think there's a lot you can do virtually, and then there's a lot that we can do with the know-how that has been built uh, over the years. I'll put a link to that training in the notes for the podcast. Right. So people can can easily access it. That's brilliant to hear about. And I think that's a, going to be a really strong resource for people. What do you think we've actually learned about rabies control in the last decade? <laughs> that, that we can do it. Um, that our challenge is uh, often political instability, changing governments. Um, we can do it. Uh, we just need to get on with it, um, you know, and assure that the programs are are formalized, that they don't just remain paper in an, a paper strategy or, or plan in a in a ministry, but that that they are actually translated into uh, a plan on the ground, and and that we actually start and starting even in in starting small and then scaling up is often a way to go so you know the communities gain experience you build a certain you know group of people who who you can use as a as as a, your trainers later on so i i think i think that's the way to go that's good i i like that because what have we learned we can do it is such a big thing to to learn 10 years ago decade ago when i started doing this Actually, everyone was going, oh, there are too many dogs. There are too many stray dogs. We can't get to everything. We don't. How on earth are we going to manage to do this? It's too big a task. And actually, that hasn't come up at all during this conversation. And I've, I've asked you about barriers. I've challenged you on what, what's in the way. What, why is it neglected? What's, what's there? The, the, the massive thing that's absent in every answer that you've given is there are just so many dogs out there to do. That isn't the problem. And we used to think it was, and actually it's not. And that's a really, really positive thing for us to realize and to to recognize, because I think that galvanates us to think, as you say, the biggest thing we've learned is we can actually do this. Yeah. And, and I won't say it's not challenging to reach our target of zero rabies deaths by 2030. Yeah, it's a huge task. And we have, we, we see that, you know, big, big barriers come into, into play, you know, even rabies programs have been affected by covid of course they have so 2030 is a goal that is is going to be a challenge to reach however you know it has brought the the communities around a joint target be it the human or the animal health sector or the education sector we have a joint target that we can work towards and i think as much as it is going to be a huge challenge to show complete results by 2030, I think it has really been a way to drive us in the right direction. And when we set that goal, we truly believed, 
not only as the international organization, but that the countries and the doers in who go out in the field, we set that goal of zero human deaths by 2030 because we all believed it is possible. It, it was aspirational then, it's aspirational now. What's important is every step we take forward, we, we reduce the number of people who die and you need a target. So saying 2030 is when we want to do this, if it's 2031, you could say we've failed or you could still say it's a massive success because of what we've managed to do. Setting the date gives us something that we can aim for and work for, and that's in itself a, a galvanating thing. It gives us the strength to keep on going because we know we're all, we've all got the same vision. I can't agree with you more. You're representing the WHO, the World Health Organization. What commitment have the WHO made to eliminating this disease? So WHO's role is not to go into countries and, you know, implement a program. We support countries. Uh, different countries need different levels of support. Some, some will need support in service delivery and logistics, and some only in policy and standard setting. And so this is our role in, in WHO is to, to set the best um, standards based on our, our, our on the best evidence um, so that countries can be guided by that. We catalyze countries in um, implementing their programs by putting together the know-how on the how-to. So you first have the guidance, the guidelines, and then the how-to do it. We work very, very closely with many diverse partners in the NWHO is small compared to the big mandate that we have. And so we can increase our reach and, and, and increase our implementation by working closely with, with the diverse partners, both from uh, the public and private sectors, academia, and all other, uh, other sectors. So the way we do it is, is really catalytic uh, and depending, as I said, on, on what country needs we try to offer the from technical um, advice and, and support all the way to policy support. And of course, one of our biggest tasks as the public health organization um, of the world, so to speak, is really building awareness and advocacy around certain issues that are important but might not be prioritized. So one of the things we do is advocacy. Um, and again, here we need our partners uh, to amplify the messaging um, that WHO puts forward. Why Why do we do something about a disease that kills 60,000 people or so a year when, you know, there's there are other things in the world that we could be looking at? Well, we have all the tools. It's a terrible, terribly painful disease. We can prevent it both at source through vaccination of dogs. We can prevent it through treatment of, of people um, in, in improving the environmental situation so that, the, you know, there are no, um, there's no food in the environment for, for roaming dogs to, to multiply too easily. You know, there's a lot we can do to bring the information and knowledge together um, and so it's not always a investments in, in the sense of funding. Many countries think we are a funding organization. We are not. Uh, we, we catalyze. Um, we 
provide technical support. We provide policy support. It's been really, really good chatting to you. Just finally, what message would you like to give people on World Rabies Day? There's a lot of rhetoric around One Health at the moment. I think an increased recognition of the interaction between humans, animals and the environment and and all the risks that we share. And so if there is one disease that we can show quick progress, which we can use as a poster child for implementing One Health, I think rabies is that example. We can have... um, we can re- reduce human deaths very quickly. We can build a, a vaccination buffer in, in animals very quickly. And, and it, it is very visible even within a political lifetime of a politician. What I'd, I'd like to say is really let us put priority on a disease like rabies um, so that we can build a true example of how to implement One Health in which we can build this health system so that the different sectors are actually speaking together, which will not only be used for rabies, but for other diseases, where we can train workforce that can handle the programs like rabies, plan and program rabies programs, but also use those skills for other programs. You are building then horizontal skills where you're building, you know, modeling or forecasting and know-how around rabies, for example, you can use that know-how for other health risks. And so I think, you know, let us do it. Let us scale up the rabies programs as an example of implementing One Health in a very measurable way where we can see impact within months if we are able to scale up um, sufficiently. It's important because... As we've said, people are dying. It's important we get rid of this disease. But it's also not in its own little bubble. What we are really striving to do, I think, is improve human and animal health in general across across the board, everything that's there. And rabies does give us an opportunity to learn an awful lot on how we can make those those really big strides forward to make it it sounds a little glib, but to make it a better world for the future. Thank you very much, Bernadette. I've really enjoyed, as ever, talking to you. It's great fun always working with you, seeing you at conferences and hearing you. It's lovely to be able to get you on here as well. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you, Alistair. I enjoyed it as well. <laughs> Thank you to both Dr. Elwa and Dr. Abela Ridder. We know there are challenges ahead, but it's clear that we can eliminate rabies. We have the knowledge. Now is the time to put it into action. Speaking of challenges, this September we have once again run our Rabies 360 challenge. I'll put a link in the programme notes so you can see some of the amazing things that have been done. You may remember that last year I hiked 360,000 steps around New Jersey, Pennsylvania and New York. I even brought a couple of these podcasts from those walks. This year, my challenge was to get 360 photos related to dogs. To my surprise, this has been harder than the hiking, and I sadly have to admit I did not achieve it. 
When I look back at that, I can see that I didn't have either the resources, namely the time, or the adequate surveillance, in other words, knowing where to go to get the most pictures in a day, in order to succeed. I'm not, however, going to give up. I'll continue taking photos until I get that total of 360. Although I am disappointed that I didn't achieve it in the time I gave myself, I also think this is quite a good analogy for rabies control. We set a target of elimination by 2030. It'd be great if we get there. But that's still such a big, big challenge to get to. Does it matter? Do we stop because we can't hit 2030? Or if we're not going to hit it, does that mean we just give up? No, it doesn't. We keep going. Because every step that we take forward, every time we make a difference, we save animal lives and human lives. It's so important. We need to improve our resources. We need to improve our surveillance so that we can understand where the disease is and how best to roll it out. That's key to making a difference. But ultimately, whether it's 2030 or 2031 or even 2032, when we eliminate this disease, we will have made the world a better place. So we keep on going. I think it's really important. I love having had a chance to talk to people from the WHO and the OIE about what we're doing. And that's it from me and our guests for this episode. Keep safe. I'll speak to you again soon. Mm -hmm.